intercession of Mary, thy one and spouse, and the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him, because my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. <clears throat> Jesus, with these words, foretells the great mystery of the Eucharist. This was after the multiplication of the loaves and fish and fed 5,000. He would fulfill what he spoke then at the Last Supper, when he took bread and said, this is my body and the wine, this is my blood, as recounted by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> and this is the Feast of Corpus Christi. At every Mass, we celebrate the mystery of Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist. But this Sunday we celebrate in a special way to give, say, add an honor in, in a liturgical fashion to this great mystery of our faith, this Gavin We have the testimony of the Gospels to support our faith, but God has done more than this. In the history of the Church, God has worked miracles, Eucharistic miracles, hosts that have miraculously bled, others have turned to flesh, to human heart tissue. And these miracles are manifestations of the theological core of our faith, which is that at the consecration at the Mass, the bread and the wine undergo a change of substance, we call it transubstantiation. They change into the body and blood of our Lord. The bread and wine isn't there anymore. It no longer remains. Only the appearances remain the accidents, as they're called in philosophical languages. The substance has changed. The oldest, most well-known miracle of the Eucharist is that at Lanciano, Italy, when a Basilian monk during Mass doubted the real presence, and the host actually turned to flesh, the wine actually turned to blood, and that host was placed in pits and kept in the church there, the wine in the chalice. Anyone can go see it today, it remains a living miracle. It was tested many times over the years. One of the latest tests was in 1970. It determined that the flesh and blood are true, flesh and blood, and the flesh actually was the cardiac muscular tissue. The blood type was AB, matching the Shroud of Turin, and the protein in the blood was the same percentage ratio as that in freshly shed blood 1,200 years later. A few centuries after the miracle at Lanciano, a German priest was on pilgrimage to Rome. He stopped at Bolsena. He was having doubts about the real presence of our Lord. And from the host dripped blood onto the corporal. And the corporal is the white linen cloth on which the the chalice sits during Mass in Manhattan. 
And Pope Urban IV was a nearby Orvieto. The corporal bloodstain was brought to him. He investigated it, declared it a miracle, and the following year, in 1264, he initiated the feast on a worldwide level of Corpus Christi. He commissioned St. Thomas Aquinas to compose the liturgy for the Mass, and that's where we get our Eucharistic hymns, O Salutaris Hostia, Tantum Ergo, Pange Lingua. They were written for the Mass that we celebrate today. And we'll fast forward now to late 20th century. Buenos Aires, Argentina. The Church of Santa Maria, on August 15th, on the Feast of the Assumption, a woman after Mass found a desecrated host on a candlelight at the back of the church. She told the priest, the priest followed canon law. The priest would take a host that looks like it's been partially consumed, place it in water until it dissolves after a few days, and then pour down the sacrarium. That's every rectory has, or every church has one, and the sacristy goes into the ground. Well, when the priest placed the host in water, he noticed it turned to a fleshy type material. He informed the cardinal, Antonio Quattacino, and the then auxiliary bishop, Jorge Bergoglio, he's Pope Francis today, um, and that host in the glass of water was placed in a tabernacle and left for three years. They wanted to see what would happen. It didn't change. And after three years, they ordered an investigation to be done. I believe it was Jorge Bergoglio, now Pope Francis, who sent the sample to a sample of the host turned flesh to Columbia University in New York and didn't say what it was, just said test it. We want to see what of the test results are. Dr. Frederick Sungibe, a renowned cardiologist, forensic pathologist, he performed the test, announced the results on March 26, 2005. And this was identified, the sample, as human flesh and blood, and the doctor testified that it was a fragment of the heart muscle, the left ventricle close to the valves, and because the white blood cells had penetrated the tissue, he said that, and I quote him, the heart had been under severe stress, as if the owner had been beaten severely about the chest. Our Lord's Spurgeon. I didn't know that this happened to the beating. And there was a reporter present who asked Dr. Sugebe how long white blood cells can remain alive after a piece of human tissue is kept in water. And Sugebe said that it would only survive for a matter of minutes. Then he learned that this the sample had been in water for more than three years. He was amazed and said that the cells from the sample were moving and beating as a heart would. There was no scientific explanation for his findings. The original poster of flesh in Buenos Aires was, pardon me, the sample that was sent to Columbia University 
Those lab reports were then compared with the lab reports from Lanciano. They were sent to another laboratory, weren't told what they were, they just said examine them, tell us what you find. Their conclusion was that they must have been from the same person. AB positive blood type, the DNA was identical in both samples, matched up with the shot of Turin and the blood on the cloth of Orvieto. They even found that they could determine from the DNA that the man came from the Middle East. Now, these aren't the only Eucharistic miracles. A more recent one has just been published. You can YouTube it. Uh, a miracle of Poland, I heard about it about four years ago. It's finally been confirmed. Heart material from the host turned into fleshy heart material. Uh, why have these miracles taken place? Well, to bolster, to strengthen our faith and the great mystery of our faith, the body and blood of our Lord. Our faith must lead to adoration. It must lead to worship. Adoration of Jesus truly present in the substance of his body and blood must accompany, underlie our participation at Mass, our reception of Holy Communion. That spirit, that disposition of adoration is an interior attitude. It must come from the heart. And that must be present in us when we walk through the church doors because we realize that our Lord, His living flesh and blood, is the tabernacle. And He becomes present on the altar during the consecration when the priest repeats the words of Christ Himself at the Last Supper, acting in persona Christi in the person of Christ. Pope Benedict XVI, four years ago, on this very feast, spoke of how our participation in Mass must be preceded and accompanied and followed by an interior attitude of faith and adoration. And then he said these beautiful words. He said, to really communicate with another person. If we receive Holy Communion, we're communicating with our Lord in the most intimate manner of the side of heaven with, with the Eucharist. Pope Benedict said, to really communicate with another person, I must know him, be able to be in silence close to him, to be able to look at him with love. I think the husband and wife are looking with love. I mean, that's the type of attitude that we should have with our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. True love and true friendship always live in a reciprocity of looks, in a personal not in a superficial way. He says, if this dimension is lacking, then even sacramental communion can become a superficial activity, something just we get up and do without thinking about it. Now it must be imbued with an interior attitude of faith and adoration. And I'll quote Pope Francis here, who spoke a year ago on the Feast of Corpus Christi. He said, this bread of life has come down to us. The Church is in unending awe before this reality, an awe that endlessly nourishes contemplation, adoration, and memory of what our Lord Jesus did the night before he 
died. Let us pray on this feast of Corpus Christi that we may have that interior attitude of, of adoration and worship, that we may have that look of love toward Jesus when we communicate with him today if we are so disposed to receive the body and blood of our Lord. And I'll end with a quote by another Pope, the Saint, Pius X. In an allocution to First Communion students, he said, the one who goes to Holy Communion can say in all truth with St. Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.